The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. Michael Graff Show. Hello, how come I rich and you not? How come you not sell real estate like I do? How come I sleep with your wife while you at work and then I pee in your toilet and don't flush? And sometimes I open the back part and I pee in there so that when you flush, pee come out. You know why? Because I'm smart. I'm smart, you stupid. Michael Graff. We're dealing with one sick son of a bitch. Okay, okay, let's try to watch the language. There's children present, yeah? That's right. One in ten support D's nuts for present. The zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Hey, that's just a regular unattractive guy who's not famous. Michael Groff. If it's a legitimate rape, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down. And you're an idiot. <laughs> At the tone, the time will be 26 Railroad. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Oh, that's what gay is? Oh, yeah, I could totally get into that. The following program is in the hands of a guy whose professional and personal lives are about as depressing as the idea of Donald Trump with access to the nuclear codes. From his exile in the urban desert, it's the zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Here we go, the zip code famous Michael Graff Show on the air again on this Tuesday, the 28th of August, 2018. Groff Show at gmail.com is my email address. It's Groff Show at gmail.com. That's also the PayPal address for your most generous contributions to the show. Groff Show at gmail.com on both email and PayPal. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Michael Graff. Facebook, it's The Michael Graff Show. And for everything else Michael Graff related, the one, the only, michaelgraff.com is where you go. You can listen to this and previous editions of the program, plus, of course, all of our other links and cool stuff. I sometimes even post a little bit of a blog or a write-up with each show. That's always available at the one, the only, michaelgraff.com. It feels so surreal right now, what's going on, especially from an Arizona perspective. First, last Thursday, there was the announcement that Senator John McCain was stopping his cancer treatment for his glioblastoma. And then on Saturday, boom, just like that, the news comes down that the senator has died at the age of 81. And then all of these subsequent stories that have come out about that. And I know this is something that, well, we all knew this was coming for weeks, months uh, the kind of diagnosis that glioblastoma has, the brain cancer. Uh, I, I've read somewhere that there's like a 1% chance that you survive it. Some say 5%. It, it's, it's a low probability. And especially when you factor in John McCain's age and everything like that, then, you know, it was one of those things where it was kind of amazing that he survived as long as he did, given the diagnosis. It was sad. It was heartbreaking in a sense. And, um, I realize that over the years, I have been very critical of John McCain. I have found some of the things that he has said and done to be, frankly, disgusting. But I didn't think he was a bad guy, really. I just thought that, you know, he had a different political perspective than I did in many ways. Not always. Sometimes we agreed on things. And this is one of those things where it's not about politics. It's really about tipping your hat to the life of somebody who gave themselves for public service, service to their country. And I think that we all need to acknowledge that. I think this is something that is a sad day. Even though John McCain, you know, if you read his book, 
He doesn't want people to view his death as something sad. He wants people to celebrate. I get that. But obviously, America has lost somebody that was dedicated. Even if you don't like what he did, even if you don't like his political decisions and his passion in that regard, you have to at least respect what he has done and what he accomplished. And there are very few people that I can think of that are as mentally and physically tough as John McCain. If you've ever read his bio, the guy, what he went through as a prisoner of war in Vietnam, the torture that he endured, they broke his jaw, they broke his teeth, they battered his ribs and his arms and his leg. I mean, he just took a beating and he was placed in a hot box for days at a time, given practically no water, almost didn't survive the whole ordeal. And then most amazing about all of that, and I didn't know this until recently, years later, he went back and not really confronted, but he talked to his captors and then he ultimately befriended them and had respect for them because they had a job to do as did he and he just looks at it that way. Well, they were just doing their job. That's what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to get intelligence out of me. I was supposed to keep it in. You know, I was supposed to withhold that information. So I don't know how you do that as a person, but he was able to do that. So I have a lot of respect for the guy for that. And then again, because um, maybe we didn't share all the same political opinions, but he did devote the last 30-something, 40 years of his life to public service. Um, and I just don't know of this state. I, as, almost as long as I've lived in this state, John McCain has been a part of the political spectrum here. You know, My family moved to Arizona in 1982, and for all but a year and a half, I've lived here in Arizona And um, during that time. And John McCain has been our senator. He has been... Uh, just a fixture of politics in this state. So it's going to be weird going forward and not thinking of him as being part of the state. And uh, again, we knew this day was coming. This is, it shouldn't be a shock, but then when it happens, especially as quickly as it did, I guess that was just the part that got me. I, I expected, okay, well, he stopped his cancer treatment. I guess we have probably months, maybe just weeks. And it turned out it was just two days. So... And I know there's a lot of people, and I've seen some of the comments, uh, you know, they're like, good riddance, glad he's dead, all of this. And once more, I had my disagreements with the guy as well. I, I do think some of the things he did were detrimental and harmful, but those are political disagreements. And I think John McCain, the last couple of years of his life, I think he really had a lot of mea culpas. You know, he did a lot of make goods. Uh, he was a very outspoken critic of the Trump administration, Donald Trump in general, and the, the current state of the Republican Party and the current state of politics in this country. Uh, John McCain was very much about that, and he saw the Republican Party going in a direction that he didn't like. And even if you're not a Republican, even if you don't like or respect Republicans, you at least have to understand that John McCain spoke out about this kind of stuff. And I think that that's something that should be admired. We don't always have to agree politically on things to at least have respect for one another. And I think that's something that's really been lost in a lot of what's happening right now with this very polarized political dynamic that's out there. And yes, there are people that should be condemned and we should not respect uh, because they have shown no respect for the office and no respect for their fellow man, such as the current administration. But by and large, I'll feel the same way when President George W. Bush dies. I'll feel that there is a loss. I'll feel the same way about Barack Obama. 
I don't think those are bad people. I think they devoted themselves to doing something. I really felt, I feel that they wanted to make a change in this country. Maybe they went about it the wrong way, but I think their intentions were good. And I think whenever you have good intention, even if your execution isn't always perfect, your intention and the results that occur, I think, are something that you should be judged by. And that's where I am with John McCain. And so some of the comments that I've seen coming out, I don't know, I don't like it. And it's a it's a symptom of our current political climate, too, because if, if a guy's on a different side of the aisle than you, then naturally people are going to lash out. That's just the way it is. And that's why I don't talk politics with a lot of people anymore, because it is so polarized and people are so crazy about this stuff. And I've dialed it down quite a bit. And I, I say that as we're sitting here on primary day in Arizona. And I, I don't know, John McCain spoke out against the current Republican Party. And I think part of the reason that he would do that is because, well, let me just use Arizona as a current example to segue right into this topic of about the primaries here in Arizona. So we have another senator that's been outspoken against the current party, the current administration. And that's Senator Jeff Flake, who is retiring this year. And so his Senate seat is up for grabs. And on the Republican side, we have three people running for Senate here in Arizona and their primary is today. And those those three choices, if you're a Republican right now, I, I posted about this earlier today on social media. Also, if you're a Republican right now, I almost feel bad for you because the choices that you have for Senate in this state are all terrible. First, you have the disgraced former Maricopa County Sheriff Joe Arpaio. We all know his long list of troubles and what he was up to. Uh, anything for his office condoning a policy that would pull people over for driving while brown, basically. Um, yeah, he was into racial profiling and all that. He even had a court order to stop that policy, of which he ignored, went on and continued to do it. Then he was slapped with a contempt of court or criminal contempt. He was eventually pardoned by Donald Trump. That should tell you all you need to know about that situation. And the laundry list of other infractions. Remember, this is the guy that, that used a tank to execute a search warrant while he was the sheriff. Uh, this guy, you know, and he did some things that I was fine with. When he first got in there, I didn't mind him being a bit more abrasive with the criminals and taking away their porn mags and taking away their, their TVs and not making it uh, so much like a... Um, uh, like uh, a coffee house in jail. I get it. I get the jail should be tough. It should be a place that you don't want to go to. I understand that. But it wasn't about that anymore. It just became about how much camera time the guy could get. Obviously, you know, he's never met a camera that he didn't like. Clearly, that's why he went there with Sasha Baron Cohen and got totally punked uh, and exposed. So there's Joe Arpaio. That's one choice you have. A choice number two is Dr. Kelly Ward who is running, and she's one that she's a real piece of work. Most recently and most outrageously, she came out and said that the timing of John McCain's announcement that he was going to stop his cancer treatment was deliberately done to sabotage her campaign. That's what she says. I know. Let that sink in for a second. She says John McCain's announcement about his Cancer treatment, stopping his cancer treatment was done to sabotage her campaign. This woman is nuts. I have talked about this for a while. She is crazy. And that is a prime example of it. So 
She is, um, of course, says that, uh, and she's disparaged John McCain and Jeff Flake and everybody else that's been in office from Arizona for quite some time, which is fine. But maybe, I don't know, that seems a little tone deaf right as John McCain is dying of brain cancer. It seems a little tone deaf to do that sort of thing. And that's me being very kind to Dr. Kelly Ward. So that's that's choice number two. Then choice number three is Martha McSally. And she's a fighter pilot. And she has been piloting fighters as a fighter jet pilot in the military. And did she mention that she was a fighter pilot? And how tough she is and how strong she is. By the way, she was a fighter pilot. Her commercials, she stands in front of this fighter jet. And she's letting you know about her service in the military and how strong she is. And, you know, the, the implication there is, I tell you what, I bombed a lot of ragheads in my time over there in the military. I did my job. That's what she's trying to tell you. So she's an and You know, she's one of these people. She's got the high volume whenever she speaks to. She's got that Hillary Clinton thing. When I get to Washington, I'll show them that I have the ovaries to prove that I can do what needs to get done. Whatever that even means. She says that. I've got the ovaries. We get it. You're a woman and you're apparently tough and you're loud. We get it. You can scream and yell. I understand. Boy, oh boy. So that's, that's, oh, and she's one of these, uh, she's, uh, she's very pro-Trump. She wants to get the Trump agenda pushed forward further. Uh, she's a whole make America great again kind of person. So if you want to vote for that. And of course, she's um, typical. She's the typical current uh, flavor of conservative uh, against gay marriage. You know, that whole thing. And oh, yeah. So she's going to that's that's your other choice. So three great choices on the Republican side. Now, the Democrats, there's two choices there. There's Kirsten Cinema, who's our current representative, at least in my district. And then there's uh, Deidre Abood, who is, uh, well, she's got an Islamic name, which is probably strike one in this state. Number two, uh, she's wearing a burqa in her press photo. That's that's not going to go. In fact, that's probably just strikes two and three in Arizona. Yeah, so she's not <laughs> she's not going to get in. I'm sorry. So based upon current polls, it does appear that it's going to come down to Martha McSally versus Kirsten Cinema, And... I would say that at this point, that's a close race, just like it's going to be a close race in many congressional elections for the midterms. And I think there's going to be a major push of blue come November. I'm not sure it's going to be quite as overwhelming as some people in the media believe, but I think there's no question that there is a Trump backlash that's coming our way. And as we get deeper and deeper into these tariffs, and these ridiculous things that have been happening in the White House, um, that will probably further come to fruition. Speaking of John McCain and things, backlashes from the White House, Donald Trump has just handled this John McCain situation about as poorly as you could. This is a no-brainer as the president. There are some things that are very difficult decisions. There are other things that are very easy to do and almost impossible to screw up. But leave it to Donald Trump to screw up even the easiest of tasks so when a senator dies all you have to do as the president is say america has experienced a great loss today with the passing of senator john mccain you could i don't know contact his wife or talk to somebody in his family or whatever you you need to do but clearly you could have made a phone call or two 
you could have said your condolences and made a couple of nice comments about John McCain. You know, maybe we didn't always disagree and maybe I, I said some things and, I, you know, I regret those things and I'm really sorry, etc. But no, that's not what he did at all. He just said, ah, thoughts and prayers with his family uh, and that's it. And then when reporters asked him questions about John McCain, he declined to answer. And he hasn't made any other statements about John McCain since. Uh, he did actually, well, okay, so... The flag at the White House was sent down to half-staff uh, late Saturday and into Sunday. Raised back on Monday, which outraged some people. I don't know. I guess that's outrageous. Um, and then they lowered it again because I guess the advisors said, uh, you're really pissing off some of the Republicans. Might want to lower that flag. So they decided they're going to lower the flag to half-staff again uh, for the rest of the week until the funeral. And uh, there's going to be a funeral service here in Arizona. Then there's going to be one in Washington. And I guess uh, I don't know why the flag thing is something that just sticks in everyone's cross so much. I guess it's a, another small needle that President Trump can poke into the side of uh, the legacy of John McCain if he wants. I don't know. I don't understand his beef. I mean, well, it's a beef he started. It's a beef that Donald Trump started in the first place with his comments. I prefer people that don't get captured. That's my take on the whole thing. Guys that don't get captured, that's what I prefer to have in my White House or my administration. Okay. Okay, Don. So he's the one that starts it, and then he gets bitter about it. Because John McCain said some things about Trump that obviously Trump didn't like. And he was a vocal critic of the current administration, as are many. The problem is most of the people that are critics of this administration are on their way out. Either because they died or they're retiring. Jeff Flake retiring. He was a big critic of the Trump administration. John McCain, he has died. Um, and he was a big critic. Now, Bob Corker, Ben Sass, those are guys on the Republican side that are still there and they're they're critical. Uh, to an extent, Paul Ryan, although Paul Ryan has basically kept his mouth shut lately, um, as have many others who at one point were critical, like Ted Cruz back during the election, and now Ted Cruz is an ardent defender. A lot of phonies in Washington right now. So there's all that going on. Oh, and one other thing that happened over the weekend, it's Arizona related, but it was a national story about 15 years ago. Bishop O'Brien died. And unlike John McCain, I'm going to tell you this, you can go ahead and bash this guy all you want. I, I'm glad that he's dead. Uh, and I'll tell you exactly why. This was a guy that covered up a lot of the Catholic Church scandals that went on, especially here in Arizona. He shuffled off these pedophile priests to different churches, kept moving them around whenever they'd get accused of something um, because, well, he knew that they did it. Uh, it was obvious that they did it, and he, they still had jobs. They still went to other churches and were able to continue being priests. They were not removed from the church, and they were certainly not turned over to the authorities and this was all part of the Catholic Church scandal that's, uh, well, that's still ongoing today. But this was the big story uh, of, the, of the day back in 2002, 2003. And Thomas O'Brien was uh, at the head of this. He was uh, a, a, big, a big part of that scandal, that, that cover-up. And then on top of that, he also committed vehicular manslaughter. He hit somebody. He drove away from the scene. Uh, he had blood all over his car. He tried to deny it, I guess, for a while. Then he eventually fessed up to it. Anyway, he has died. I have no respect for him. And you know what? That is somebody I will say good riddance to. And that may not be good karma. That may not necessarily be a good message to send to people. Um, but I'm sorry. If you're a pedophile or if you cover up pedophilia, and also if you're a, 
<clears throat> a murderer, because that's what he is. Vehicular manslaughter is murder. Uh, if you're a murderer, um, you probably don't earn the respect of me, and you shouldn't have the respect of anybody. And um, that's somebody that should not be on this planet anymore. And I'm glad that they're not. So, uh, goodbye to him. So, you know, it's it was a bittersweet weekend, I guess. John McCain passes and, you know, it's one thing to disagree with somebody politically. It's another thing when the person that dies is um, a criminal. And not just a criminal, but somebody that facilitated criminal acts toward children and also a murderer. And so there's... Uh, there's no need to really make that distinction. But I just thought, for those of you that are wondering, geez, is Mike really happy that somebody died? Yep, I sure am. Pleased as punch by it. Does that make me bad? Does that make me a terrible person? I don't think so. I sleep a little bit better at night knowing that that guy does not draw a breath. And I think there's a lot of people that, that uh, he helped to victimize that are probably a little bit happier today, even if they don't want to admit it. And I'm sure they want to have a beautiful service for him and remember him fondly. Don't. He is not somebody that merits being remembered fondly. And that brings me to something else that I also wanted to talk about with regard to all of this stuff. Uh, specifically as it relates to John McCain. Why is it that there's so many people in the media that are just so phony? Uh, this is just another thing. And this is where I got kind of disgusted over the weekend watching the John McCain coverage and listening to it yesterday on the radio and on TV. I just got grossed out by it because once again, the media turns this into a competition as to who can cry the hardest and who can put out the best tribute. And rather than just talking openly and honestly about their feelings about John McCain, everybody has to do these, these super fluff pieces and it just has to become this gross thing. And I've been in those consulting meetings. I'm well aware of how those meetings work. Um, you know, it was one of those things I, I one of my friends in radio told me after Tom Petty died uh, last year, uh, they did this whole thing about uh, how can we get on this Tom Petty thing? How are we going to handle this now? You know, and they, they bring in consultants to talk about it. and It just feels gross. It's like, let's just kind of have a real moment about it. And the other thing, uh, people that are so phony and so fake uh, that pretend like they were John McCain's best friend when clearly they weren't. And I'll say this, even though I think it's disgusting how Donald Trump is being so petty and stupid about all this, at least, at least the guy's not being a phony. Um, his behavior is, is foolish uh, because he's the president of the United States, and I think that he should show more class than that. At least he isn't being a phony. Uh, like some of these people that are on TV that just... And especially on the radio. I mean, I've heard some guys that did nothing but just bash McCain endlessly. And now they're telling you how much they loved him. Oh, the the minute I, I shook his hand and they try to make it seem like they all had personal relationships and they all try to tell stories that make it seem like they all had these personal relationships with John McCain. Oh, I met him 20 years ago and I shook his hand and and uh, he was on our show before and we had a great rapport and great relationship with the guy. No, you didn't. He occasionally appeared on your show. He probably wouldn't even know your name uh, if he saw you in the hallway because you're just a couple of radio douches. But, you know, these guys... Are, Oh, and they, they get their fluffy me remembering John McCain. And these are guys that were so critical of him. And and not just I mean, they they made personal attacks against the guy, and now they're on the radio making it seem like, oh, he was I, I absolutely loved the man. 
See, at least when I come on here, I, I tell you the things I respected about the guy, and I try to do so in a way that's somewhat respectful. And But I'm not going to ever be dishonest with the listeners. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I was in love with the man. Uh, he did things that I didn't like. He did some things that I found to be detrimental. And I'm going to disclose those even in death. The one thing about all this, though, and that is I don't understand why we can't just eulogize people while they're alive. If we have nice things to say about somebody, why can't we do that while they're alive? Why can't we, you know, maybe talk crap about them after they die so they don't have to hear that? I think we kind of do it backwards. We we speak nicely and fondly and flowery about somebody uh, when they die. But while they're alive, we treat them like garbage, we say all these bad things about them while they're alive. Then when they die, it's like, ah, okay, well, just playing. Just kidding. Yeah, they can't hear you. Yeah, well, uh, their spirit can or their ghost or however the hell people that believe in that nonsense think. Their spirit, their ghost, their, their essence can absorb those warm feelings. Yeah, but if that's the truth, if, if I was to believe your book, your book says that they that once you die... Uh, you you go to this uh, magical place in the clouds or wherever and you get all this enlightenment and you get all the knowledge. So you'd have all the knowledge of the universe at your fingertips. You'd know who really liked you and who didn't anyway. So why speak so fondly and pretend that you like somebody after they die when if if we were to follow your ridiculous line of logic, they already know how you really felt about them anyway. I don't know. Just eulogize. Just be nicer to people, I guess, is the bottom line. And that's the message we should take away from all of this. Everything in life can be a lesson if we want it to be, including the end of life itself. And so that's something that maybe we should take away from John McCain. Now, with that having been said, I, I don't feel the same way about uh, Bishop O'Brien. Uh, the only thing I take away from the end of his life is happiness and joy because uh, there will be at least some degree of closure, uh, at least some justice, finally, uh, for those who suffered as a result of his actions. And so I heard somebody on the radio even praising him the other day, which shows that there's supporters for anybody. No matter what you do, there's always going to be somebody that supports you. And Bishop O'Brien is that way, too. Well, I was very sad to hear about the death of Bishop O'Brien. Uh, I know he did some questionable things in his life. Questionable things? No, he didn't just do questionable things. Questionable things are cheating on your taxes, uh, maybe uh, having an affair is a questionable decision. Issues of moral integrity, moral dilemmas, those are questionable decisions that people make in their lives. What Bishop O'Brien did, that's not questionable. That's actionable. That's criminal. Those are violations of the law. It's very black and white. Did he know what he was doing was wrong? Uh, did he break the law? Yes or no? It's very bullion. It's very zero and one. It's true or false. That's all it is. There's no question about that. The only question is his intent, and obviously, if you're covering it up and if you're making efforts to conceal documents and conceal what you did, well, then that says what your intention was, too. Your intention was to hide it. It was willful. It wasn't just negligence, either. It was a willful conspiracy to cover it up. So, there's a big difference. Anyway, uh, we've got a lot of other stuff to get into on the show. Hopefully not quite as heavy as all of that, although there are certainly some other things going on in the world that probably should be addressed that we will get to 
plus uh, sometime in the third segment. I don't know what we're going to do there. Uh, maybe we'll do a pop chart segment. Uh, maybe we'll, uh, I don't know. We always do something fun there. And, of course, we've got the uh, Who Gives a Fuck segment. So there's, there's still lots going on. And uh, I've got some email to take care of as well. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show on a Tuesday. You're listening to a guy who just now discovered Pokemon Go. The Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. MichaelGroff.com In the sound of the falling rain Coming down like an Armageddon flame And a shame The ones who died without a name In the talk telling out of key To a hymn called Faith and Misery And plead the company lost the Lord a day break, I got curious and I wanted to look up the details on that Bishop Thomas O'Brien case from years ago because I knew he hit a guy with a car. I didn't remember all of the details of it, but of course, I pretty much got it spot on. Let's see here. So not only did Bishop O'Brien hit a guy with his car, and not just a guy, but some guy that was about 300 pounds. So this isn't like somebody that he clipped. I mean, he hit him dead on, killed the guy with his car. His car had a giant dent in it. And he then left the scene of the accident, went home, tried to clean up the car, and then hid the car from investigators. They eventually found it, of course. Then when they confronted him about it, he told them, oh, yeah, you know, I hit an animal. I think I hit a cat or something. Yeah, like a cat's going to make that kind of a dent in a car. And he, um, yeah, of course, he lied to police. Now, I, one of two things either happened here. Either he blatantly lied to the investigators or... He was so drunk, he had no idea what he was doing. He doesn't remember anything about it. And either way, it's unacceptable. It's murder. I mean, you can call it vehicular manslaughter, uh, manslaughter in the first degree, whatever you want to call it. But it's, it's murder. I mean, he killed the guy. Yeah, he didn't set out to kill the guy. It wasn't like first degree murder, but he is still a killer. It is depraved indifference in the death of another person. So you cannot mask that you can't cover it up and somebody that's supposedly so close to god someone that's supposedly a person of faith uh should be held to a higher standard don't you think and instead you know he got treated with kid gloves and the media and the catholic church rushed to his defense just like they did with the pedophile priest stuff so he's dead and i know this sounds terrible i know i'm gonna catch crap for it but he's dead i'm happy about it one less stain on the history 
of this city and this state and, frankly, this planet. Another tragic news over the weekend, and this is one of those things we have talked about on the show before that I'm surprised this has not happened yet. A mass shooting at an eSports tournament. Esports really taking off now. They get coverage on ESPN and Fox Sports. People laugh about it, but people playing video games for money, it's become a thing. And this was a tournament that took place at, um, where was this? At Chicago Pizza in Jacksonville. They were having a Madden NFL 19 tournament, and this kid lost. And uh, I guess he was acting weird all weekend anyway, according to witnesses. He came back and shot up the place with a handgun killing two people and then himself, injuring 10 others. And it was just a, a horror show down there. And uh, so, obviously, I'm surprised when they have these things that they don't check people for weapons. I'm guessing they will in the future. I always thought that that was just kind of standard protocol whenever they have these things because competitive gaming, it gets it gets intense. People take this seriously. There's money on the line. There's pride. There's money. You know, there's there's guys, uh, some of these dudes, not exactly the most social individuals in the first place because, well, they spend their time playing video games night and day in the hopes that they will make money with it. There's not as much socialization. There's, you know, socialization online. There's There's trash talk. But if you've ever been a part of a competitive gaming scene, if you've played any competitive games, I mean, I have, uh, not at that kind of level, but I mean, you can see people are just vicious to one another online. Keyboard warriors, you know. We hear stories about guys that find out where other people live and they'll fly to those locations or drive to those locations and they'll kick someone else's ass. So sometimes they shoot people. I mean, this happens. Stalking and bullying and all this sort of thing happens online too, but people get shot. And I'm surprised that uh, an esports tournament. Uh, this, something like this hasn't happened before where we haven't seen, at, at the very least, someone get stabbed or beaten, you know, aggravated assault, something like that. But this is um, this is something. And, of course, they're saying, well, we don't know the motivation. The motivation is the kid is uh, obviously has some mental illness. He has a history of mental illness. According to this, this is David Katz. Mental illness combined with the fact that he's playing a competitive game and the reality of any competitive endeavor is that no matter who you are, there's always going to be someone that's better than you. Now, this guy has won tournaments in the past, and he's taken home some money as a result, but uh, he was ousted early from this tournament, and it's still not clear. I'm still trying to figure out the details on this, whether or not he left and came back with a gun or he just pulled out a gun or what the deal was, but it doesn't matter, I guess. The, the bottom line is it shouldn't have happened, and... Hopefully, it doesn't happen in future events. I'm sure that every esports thing is going to step up their security in the future. And you have to in a situation like this. The other weird thing is whenever we talk about these stories and you hear um, people on the radio covering this stuff, especially talk show hosts that are, you know, 55, 60 year old guys or sports dudes that have no idea about esports. And they, I can't believe anybody would be involved. I don't even, I would never even cover esports. I don't know how this is even a thing. It's weird. It's weird how out of touch a lot of these sports guys are. Like Colin Cowherd and these other dudes that are talking about this kind of a story. And they, I don't know anything. I wouldn't know anybody that even watches esports or plays esports. Like that has anything to do with the story. But these guys are just so. They're so out of it. And it's like, well, yeah, believe me, 
Colin. Believe me, other 55 and 60-year-old dude, no one cares what your opinion about esports happens to be because, well, um, you're too busy covering sports where guys run into each other and give each other concussions and whose brains turn to mush by the time they're 30 and they can't even tie their shoes anymore. So I don't know. Maybe... Maybe the fat nerds that you are talking about, maybe it's not so bad being them after all. So it's the, the coverage of this story was weird uh, to say that people just don't understand esports, I guess. I it was a Madden tournament, and people were acting so. You can make money off of this? What? There's money in video games, and people take it that's. Yeah, people take it that seriously. Now, again, people take video games way too seriously as is. But you add in not only the competitive nature of it, but the money aspect. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's a very serious thing. See what else is going on here. Donald Trump is out today with a warning for Twitter, Google and Facebook about all the fake news and all the bad things that are being spread on those outlets by all of the fake media and all the new media. And he says that, uh, well, he's saying that they are treading on very, very dangerous territory and ostensibly threatened, especially Google, because he says every time he goes on to Google and he types in Trump news, only bad things come up or mostly bad things come up. And he's saying that Google is deliberately manipulating the searches to only show the bad results and the things that are unfavorable to Trump. And you know how this story goes. But there is an implied threat there. I don't know exactly what he would even do or how he would even change things. But, well, that's a dangerous situation, to say the least. Now, we've talked about this over the last uh, few shows, especially as it relates to people like Alex Jones, who are being banned from social media outlets because of some of the things they say and do. And... You know, I'm not a big fan of banning people or removing people from any outlet. Even though they're a private company and they have every right to do it, they can do whatever they want. I don't think it's something that should be celebrated or embraced. I, I think that we should allow those people to have those outlets because if you start taking it away, it only emboldens them, empowers them. It makes it look like whatever they're saying is true. Now, in the case of Google and Facebook, I think it's kind of ironic that Trump is criticizing them in the first place because it is allegedly because of bot networks and Russia manipulating social media outlets in the first place that allowed Donald Trump to get elected. So now he's complaining that there are negative stories about him out there. And boo-hoo. I mean, get over it. Look, in the case of Google, they don't even have control over that. Google doesn't manipulate searches, as he is claiming. It's done by people. It's done by people that are changing the keywords on their sites. Now, some people, individuals, are making an effort to make sure that their Google searches reflect Donald Trump being bad. And maybe some of the reason that some of these stories that are up there are negative against Donald Trump is because, well, 50% uh, of the people didn't vote for him. And there's probably a lot of people that have an axe to grind with Donald Trump. And then, of course, there's the simple fact that, you know, the Occam's razor here which says that the easiest explanation is often the most accurate, and that is that Donald Trump isn't doing a very good job and that Google searches are just reflecting that. Plus, there's so many opinion pieces and blogs out there now. You're bound to run into a lot of negative stuff. What do you expect? You're going to go on the Internet and people say nice things about you all over the place? You're the president of the United States. You should see all the terrible things they wrote about Barack Obama, George W. Bush, all the things that are still up there about the Clintons. I mean, it's all out there. 
So uh, this is just something that goes on. And there's nothing you can do about it. What, are we going to start instituting regulations on the web? I'm sure that that's something that would be a, a nice dream for Donald Trump right now. But, of course, he has he has Fox News behind him. He has many websites that are still behind him. Breitbart and some of these others are still uh, putting out positive spins on what he's doing uh, no matter what he does. So, And there's lots of bloggers out there that are Trump supporters that are still uh, fighting the good fight for him. And there's others that are buying into his conspiracy stuff as well. Alex Jones continues to talk about how private corporations or corporations in general are conspiring against him and how Google is trying to shut him down. And of course, he looks legitimized when they actually do ban him. When outlets like Facebook ban him for a period of time, it does legitimize his claims. So uh, look, it's not like it's one-sided on the internet. You just have to understand it's the internet. I, I don't know. Donald Trump, he's just, he's too old. He's too out of it. And of course, he's just a giant man-child who throws a prepubescent fit when he sees, oh, people said bad things about me online. I'm going to cry. He gets so upset by this. It's, <laughs> I don't get it. I, I'll probably never get it. I'll never understand it. But that is, uh, but of course, he does have these implied threats. And I don't know what he would do. He says that something is going to be done if it doesn't change. I don't know what that would be. I have no idea. Of course, again, uh, the Republicans do control the FCC. I don't know if they would do something uh, at the behest of Donald Trump, but maybe they would. And I don't even know what that would be. But So that's another Trump tirade for the day. And the news remains rather depressing as well. If you're out there on the dating scene, you're promiscuous, you're hooking up a lot, you're engaging in unprotected sex. Well, the Centers for Disease Control says you might just win this. That's right, Mike. It's a brand new STD. From the same ecosystem that brought you bacteria, viral infections, and parasites such as crabs, syphilis, and herpes, comes a brand new strain of antibiotic-resistant super gonorrhea. Your genitalia will be the envy of literally no one after you contract this untreatable, uncurable form of super gonorrhea. The only known way to prevent this super gonorrhea is to wrap it before you tap it or stay home and practice the two-fisted monkey slap with a can of lube and Pornhub. That's new super gonorrhea. You might contract it tonight if you swipe right. Back to you, Mike. Thank you, Centers for Disease Control and man whores, man sluts, female sluts, whatever, uh, just sluts in general of all genders, of all races, of all shapes and sizes. Thanks for that. Really appreciate it. Telling you right now, being single in this current era and with everything going on, I just was reading a story actually that millennials, how about this, after being at the forefront of the speed dating of just the hookup apps like Tinder and all that, now they're trying to get back into slow dating. You know, what all of us have been doing forever, where you actually sit down and get to know someone before you fuck them. Yeah, apparently that's becoming a trend now among millennials. There's hope for you guys yet. And no one is advocating that you wait till you get married or anything like that or even have to wait a year. Just maybe sit down and get to know somebody a little bit. Have an honest, open dialogue. Maybe you discuss your sexual history. I know it's not the hottest thing in the world. 
Um, maybe you even, um, well, if you get tested regularly, maybe you do that. I don't know. I would just say it's uh, one of those things that you might want to consider doing in this current era with uh, the super gonorrhea and this uh, syphilis that's now becoming harder to treat and all this other crap as well. I mean, there's just so much going on out there. I don't know. It's just probably not a good idea to just swipe right on somebody and it's like, oh, her name is Tina and she's 31 years old and she's coming over in five minutes and all I know about her is her stats here on Tinder and her picture and that's it. And I know nothing else about it and we're going to bang and then that'll be over in 35 minutes and uh, I'll be on to something else for the day. I know I'm starting to sound like everybody's high school health teacher. I'm bringing down my own show at this point. So uh, maybe just move on to something else. And officials in Puerto Rico have readjusted the death toll from Hurricane Maria, which afflicted the island last fall, bringing 160-plus mile-per-hour winds to some spots, devastating the island, knocking out power to everybody. All buildings, all businesses, everyone was without power. Many homes were destroyed. Initially, it was reported that 64 people lost their lives in the storm, but now the adjustment has come in. And they're saying that over 3,000 people died. It's a hell of an adjustment from Hurricane Maria. Many thousands more were injured. Still, people are homeless. There are still places without power, although most of the island has been restored. But, of course, it will take years to fully rebuild after that storm. Luckily, this hurricane season so far in 2018, knock on wood, has been very quiet. And just to illustrate how bad the healthcare situation still is in this country. There was a, a guy, I just read the story here. This guy in Texas has a heart attack, is served up with a $109,000 bill from the hospital. After spending four days in the hospital, he received stints in his heart to remove the blockage. And the stints themselves cost almost $20,000. His room care for four days cost $10,000. They have the whole itemized bill up here. His insurance company paid $55,000, but his out-of-pocket expense total, $109,000. It's actually $108,900 and change, but that's unbelievable. Now, he went round and round with the insurance company and the hospital. Of course, he said, this is a 44-year-old guy, suffers a heart attack. You know, he doesn't know what to do. He says he'll never be able to pay this off. He doesn't want to send it to a debt collector, but he doesn't think that he owes $109,000. And so after going to the media, after taking this around and, and threatening to go to legislatures, well, the hospital has decided that they're going to settle. And uh, so here's the good news. They're going to settle for $782.29, down from $109,000. That's another hell of an adjustment right there. How do you, uh, you could pay us $109,000. All right, all right. Uh, small clerical error, $782.29. God damn, this is just more proof that the medical industry is such a scam. $109,000, and a guy has to basically threaten to expose this scam for them to go, okay, 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 all right, how about uh, $782.29? All right, okay, please don't report us. We, I, and I'm not against doctors making money, certainly not. You go to medical school, you have to pay out all that money to the ridiculous amounts to go to medical school. Obviously, you should get paid something. It's a skill, it takes a lot uh, to be able to hone that skill and to be able to save lives. And, okay, I understand. Nurses should be able to make money. Um, anybody that works in a hospital should be able to make money. 
I'm not against making money in the medical industry. I'm against these exorbitant fees that are passed along to the consumer. And of course, the reason that hospitals do it in the first place is because they charge the insurance companies that kind of money because they know the insurance companies have deep pockets and they'll pay it. They don't sit back and question. They don't go, eh, we have to pay out $10,000 in room care. Okay, just write the check. Who cares? We'll just pass it along to our customers with premiums. They have to have insurance. That's the way it goes. It's just such a scam. And this is just yet another example of how it is that we need to reform the healthcare system in this country. This is the only country that has a healthcare system that is this out of whack. I mean, for the supposedly most industrialized nation in the world, the most powerful nation in the world, how is it that we still have this kind of backwards bullshit medical system going on? I'd say it's very unlikely that we're ever going to get a major overhaul of the healthcare system anytime soon, especially given the two parties that are in power right now, because both of them still want to give power to the insurance companies. Yeah, the Democrats may want to provide some sort of universal health care system, but the insurance companies are always going to be in the mix, and that's always going to spell higher medical costs than anybody else. And it's really weird because you'd think that if we have the highest medical costs, we'd also have the best health care in the world. And, you know, in many objective rankings, we are not number one. My hope is that they get this thing turned around by the time I'm 60 or 70. But as I've gotten older, the health care system's gotten worse. My health insurance has certainly gotten worse. My costs out of pocket are going up. So something needs to be done. I don't know what. You guys figure that out, but there's uh, there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of questions that are coming up around the bend there. All right, I got to take a break, and we'll come back. We've got a lot more still to get into that third segment. It's the wild card segment. Who knows what's going to happen there? And we'll be back. Mixing news, politics, and social issues with dick and poop jokes. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. MichaelGraff.com People living their lives for you on TV They say they're better than you and he'll agree He says, hold my calls from behind those cold big walls come here, boy, there ain't nothing for free Another doctor's bill, a lawyer's bill Another cute, cheap thrill You know you love him if you put him in your will Segment number three, the zip code famous Michael Groff show on a Tuesday. Well, actually, now it's Wednesday, the 29th of August, 2018. Contact information for the show, groffshow at gmail.com. That's my email address. It's groffshow at gmail.com. Also, our PayPal address for your generous contributions to the show. Help us out, groffshow at gmail.com on PayPal. 
On Twitter, you can find me at Michael Grav. We're also on Facebook at The Michael Grav Show. And for everything else Michael Grav related, you go to the one, the only, michaelgrav.com. While you're over there, you can, of course, check out previous editions of this program and all of our other links and cool stuff. It's all there. You know it. It's the one, the only, michaelgrav.com. And, of course, in this third segment, I like to get to some of the miscellaneous stuff that's accumulated on the desk, some stuff I haven't gotten to. And, you know, since our last show, we lost the pop, soul, R&B singer, really transcended so many genres. Aretha Franklin died at the age of 76. And who better to eulogize her than, of course, the Reverend Al Sharpton, right? So, in the words of my late friend Aretha Franklin, show some R-E-S-P-I-C-T. <laughs> Thanks, Al. Good job. And in other news, women in the L.A. area, you can rest easier because the Dine and Dash dater, well, he's been apprehended by police. man accused of meeting women on dating sites and then running out on them before paying for dinner has pleaded not guilty to 14 charges. Paul Guadalupe Gonzalez, <laughs> nicknamed the Dine and Dash dater, Prosecutors in Pasadena say the 45-year-old arranged dinners with women over the course of about two years. And after having food and drinks, he allegedly bailed on his dates before the bill arrived. The women either covered the charges, which totaled some $950, and in two cases, the restaurant covered the bill, making them part of the litigation. Gonzalez faces theft and extortion charges. He could face up to 13 years in prison if convicted. Oh, my. 13 years in prison for dine-and-dash dating? Extortion? At least this guy, he wasn't in it for the sex. He just wanted some free meals. He, want, he wanted to go out on, on some meals, and then he just, he's like, all right, well, I've eaten. I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, well, I guess guys don't always just have one thing on their mind. Uh, this guy clearly just, uh, he just wanted some food, some free food. <laughs> that's, um, I don't know, maybe that's a slightly excessive penalty of 13 years in jail. Uh, for her dine and dash date. I mean, it is theft, I guess, technically. We've all been on dates that we wanted to bail out on, but this guy, well, he just wanted the free food, but yeah, he did that whole, uh, I'll be right back, just gotta go to the bathroom, and then he never returned. And in some cases, the women waited up to an hour and a half for him to come back. <laughs> oh, man, guys are such scumbags, aren't they? I know there are women that have pulled this before, I get it, but this is a weird thing, for sure. You'd think that a guy would at least be angling for the sex, but I guess if he figured, you know what, this is not going anywhere, I can tell that right now, just going to go ahead and bail out. Uh, if you're thinking about doing that, yep, could land you in jail for, uh, for 13 years? That seems a little excessive. All right, and now... In spite of my better judgment, I guess it's reluctantly time for this. I kind of wish I could dine and dash this segment. I think it's a felony to play some of the music that we're about to hear, but uh, here we go. It's that time of the show where we take a look at the top 10 songs on the pop chart. Actually, we're not going to do that because generally the pop chart is still dominated by Drake. It really hasn't changed much over the last few weeks. So let's improvise a little bit here and um, let's take a look at some of the number ones on the other charts across Billboard. For example, let me scroll down here. Let me look at the international charts and see where this is going. Let's see. All right. 
The current number one in Canada right now is Maroon 5 featuring Cardi B, Girls Like You. Remember when Maroon 5 was kind of decent? I know some of you are saying no. No, they actually weren't bad. 2002, 2003, 04. And really, it's not even Maroon 5 anymore. It's Adam Levine and synths and drum machines and um, and then another artist. Speaking of, where is Cardi B? And then, hold on, let me fast forward a little bit. Maybe I'm thinking it's better if you drive. Not too long ago, I was dancing with dollars. Oh, there she is. If I let you meet my mama, you don't want a girl like me. Yeah. too crazy. But every other girl you meet is too gazy. I'm sure that mother gazy. Enough. But you need someone to spice it up. So who you gonna call? Cardi, Cardi. Come and rev it up like a whole. Oh, yeah. She has to mention her own name in every song so that you remember her because she is very forgettable. I don't play when it comes to my heart. Let's get it though. I don't really want a white horse in a carriage. I'm thinking more of white horses in carriage. I need you right here because every time you fall, I play with this kitty like you play with your guitar. Oh, great. All right, anyway, uh, that's number one in Canada. Number one in Germany right now, Dinoro and Gigi D'Agostino. Wow. Still making music, huh? All right. This is called In My Mind. I hope you like these lyrics, these like four lines, because they're repeated for four minutes. Think I'm kidding? I'll just let it play. I'll play it for four minutes. You think I'm bluffing? Pop music in Germany is no better than pop music here. I mean, at least it doesn't have Cardi B in it. A lesson you could learn, Canada. All right, number one in France. This is PNL 91s. Oh, this is catchy. You know what it sounds like? This sounds a lot like the Chainsmokers, like one of their beds with just a French singer on top of it. Pas de fatigue ou pas de suçage de bite Représente les biens comme il faut dans le shit comme dans la zik 
Or that DJ Khaled or whatever. Man, pop music all over the world just basically sounds the same, just different accents or different languages. Well, let's see what the number one in Japan sounds like this week. This is, let's see, the artist is Kiyakazaka46, and the song is called Ambivalent. Yeah. I'm into it now. Here we go. Hey. Hey. Damn. Well, that's infectious. Anyway, good job, Japan. You've almost salvaged this segment. That's that's kind of sad. All right. Well, do we dare continue? Let's see. Uh, number one in Australia this week is Dean Lewis. This is called Be All Right. I look up from the ground to see your sad interior eyes. You look away from me and I see there's something you're trying to hide. And I reach for your hand, but it's cold. You pull away again and I wonder what's on your mind. It's like cramming a bunch of words into each verse. made a dumb mistake. You start to tremble and your voice begins to break. You say the cigarettes on the counter weren't your friends. They were my mates. And I feel the color draining from my face. And my friend said, I know you love her, but it's over, mate. It doesn't. Oh, they even say mate. Nice, a classic Australian. It's never easy to walk away. Oh, no, you love it, but it's okay, mate. It's over, mate. It's done. All right. Anyway, that's uh, that's the number one song in Australia right now. All right. Let me see what's going on in some of the other charts here internationally. It uh, doesn't look like anything else too exciting. You know what I haven't looked at in a while is the smooth jazz chart. I'm curious what's number one in smooth jazz right now. Let's see. All right. Well, I've never heard of this, but let's give it a shot. This is... Uh, all right, this is Phil Denny, number one in smooth jazz this week with Switch Up. Yeah. Sounds like one of the beds we'd use in a commercial. I feel like I'm going to be asked to buy a timeshare. Just imagine being located only five minutes from beautiful Galveston Bay. Houston, Texas, the technological city of the future. I don't mind smooth jazz, though. I could listen to this. As evidenced by the fact that I haven't already gotten sick of it and turned it off. Although it's very 80s, early 90s smooth jazz sounding. Unless this is just what all smooth jazz sounds like now. Which hasn't changed since the 80s or 90s. I'm not sure. I'm not all that... The 
My smooth jazz library consists of things like Pat Metheny, uh, Shadow Facts, a lot of a lot of the '80s and '90s smooth jazz artists. Lee Rittenauer. Well, that's got guitars and blues and smooth jazz, but Spyro Gyra. <laughs> I've got a very odd, uh, eclectic musical taste. I'll say that. Anyway, that's not bad. Maybe we should quit while we're ahead on this segment. I was going to go to some other charts too, but I think I think this is good. I think we've hit a a pretty happy medium here. It's a good way to wrap up this segment, right? At least uh, this this portion of the segment. Not wanting to gamble any further on the pop charts segment, let's just neatly and smoothly transition into the song of the day. The zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Song of the day. With all the talk about death and dying and kind of the somber mood we've had for this show, I guess this would be appropriate because one of these days will be the last. And so, with that in mind, here's the Foo Fighters and These Days. It's the zip code famous Michael Grav Show song of the day. One of these days, the ground will drop out from
That's these days. It's the zip code famous Michael Graff show song of the day. You know, any opportunity I can to get the fighters foo on the show, I will do that. All right, a couple of other things here that I want to get to. Uh, email. Yes, you can always email us, groffshow at gmail.com. This one from Rachel, who says, Hey, Mike, just curious if you've been following the Molly Tibbetts or Sam Sayers stories. Bizarre, these women are nowhere to be found. Curious on your thoughts on why Molly's story is getting more coverage than the other, plus other cases. Also, I would love to hear a top cover songs list. And she also says, thanks again for being on the air and providing me entertainment while I work. Well, first of all, Rachel, thanks for listening. Really do appreciate it. As for the Molly Tibbetts case and any abduction cases, I guess I kind of got cynical about these things back uh, during the Natalie Holloway story. What was that? Uh, 12, 15 years ago, something like that. Greta Van Susteren devoted her entire show to that on Fox News every night. And I kind of had to wonder why that was and of course well the real reason is because she was a rich white girl that disappeared in Bermuda or whatever that's always the case with these stories generally if you're rich you're likely to get more coverage than if you're poor if you're white you're more likely to get coverage than if you're Hispanic or black um, that's the case you know there's another case the the Houston case uh, that's a 19 year old girl I think that was from Iowa and she's been missing since about the same time as Molly Tibbetts, and that gets almost no play. And I see all of these stories, and, and it sucks because there's nothing you can do, and there's no new information, and there's no leads, but they uh, some stories get the coverage of networks behind them, and then others don't. And that is, unfortunately, the inequities and the media bias that exists today, and it's terrible. As for a top cover songs list, maybe I shouldn't let the cat out of the bag here, but I do at some point plan on bringing back the crappy cover segment. I just don't know how logistically that's going to work right now. Um, I really want to get the polls working up on the website. Um, that's going to be a logistical nightmare because I have to kind of redo the whole theme on the site and everything like that. And that's going to take some time. Uh, I know I could do them on Facebook or Twitter, but the engagement over on those outlets is just not as good as it is on the website. So I don't think we'd get a whole lot of results on that. Um, But I do kind of want to bring back the crappy cover segment. As for good covers, you know, whenever I was looking for the crappy covers, I'd always find some good ones along the way. And I very rarely played them on the air unless they were super good. And I think that's something that at some point I'm going to have to do as well. And maybe even incorporate those into the bumpers or the song of the day. And if I remember to do it, maybe I should make a note of it as I'm talking right now. But maybe uh, for the next show, I will do um, uh, just either all bumpers, uh, all cover bumpers, or maybe for the song of the day, we'll do a cover. I don't know. Something like that. We'll work it out. But yes, that is a very good suggestion. And speaking of suggestions, Ron writes in and says, Mike, I've been listening to you for almost 15 years now. There was a point in the past where you talked about doing the worst song countdown list. You were going to do 25 or 50 songs, and I would still like to hear that. I'd love to hear what you think the worst songs of all time happen to be, as well as your favorites or the best songs. Uh, Always love the show. Keep it up. That's Ron. Uh, Yeah, you know, that's something that uh, I was actually in the process of doing. And then um, that was about the time that uh, the whole uh, network dissolved back then. And then we started just doing the podcast. So I didn't ever get to finish that. 
But I do, I believe I still have at least the partial version of that list that we came up with on the show back then. But uh, something that I will definitely be bringing back also at some point. Uh, I thought about actually breaking it down by decades. I had actually started a project where I was going to do that, but I just have not finished that up yet. It's just one of the many projects that I have on my desk that go unfinished. And Jason writes in and says, Hey, Mike, I really love the Who Gives a Fuck segment. Even if they are stories that I don't really care about, you present them in a way that makes it somewhat interesting to me, and I appreciate that. So please continue that segment. Well, because you asked so nicely, here we go. Who gives a fuck? the news that the media wastes valuable newsprint megabytes and airtime reporting. Do you want me to give you my things I don't care about speech again? And the only question we're left asking is, who gives a fuck? It's my ongoing effort to expand the demographics of this program, and that's why I present to you the stories that I may not necessarily care about, and perhaps some of you in this audience don't either, but clearly we're in the minority. A lot of people do care about these stories because they're making news headlines all over the place on media outlets everywhere. It's the music news, entertainment news, and miscellaneous stuff that ordinarily we would skip right over. And I fit it neatly into this segment. Here we go. The days of Skinamax may soon be over as HBO and corporate sibling network Cinemax have, over the past year, quietly been phasing out their adult entertainment. As first reported Tuesday by the Los Angeles Times, both premium cable networks have been moving away from their adult content such as Taxi Cab Confessions, Real Sex, and Cat House, as well as other adult movies containing softcore or explicit content. And so if you're one of those guys that stays up until 2 o'clock in the morning to watch the softcore porn on HBO or Cinemax, first of all, may I introduce you to Pornhub or Nude Vista, Tube Galore, X Videos, uh, Spank Wire, Spank Bang, uh, any one of about 100 other porn sites out there. Uh, feel free to go ahead. Yeah, Tube 8, X Hamster. Feel free to take advantage, just looking through my browser history, uh, just feel free to take advantage of uh, the many porn sites that are out there. And you know, if you're one of those people, well, I don't like to see hardcore porn. First of all, what's wrong with you? Secondly, uh, if you want to see softcore, believe me, there's softcore all over those and many other sites that will cater to your every need. And you know what? You don't even have to stay up until 2 a.m. to watch movies anymore. They're perfectly there at your convenience. Besides, you're going to have to do this anyway because it's getting phased out. Although, I think some of those shows actually did have some value to them. The real sex shows. Now, I haven't seen any of the real sex episodes since probably the late 90s. When I was a teenager... And getting into college, I used to watch some of that because it actually was kind of interesting. They used to show all these people that would go on these um, sex cruises or like the Brazilian sex bus. They treated it like a documentary sometimes, those real sex shows. And I think they were up to real sex 45 or something insane like that. Uh, they did make a ton of those and it's not going to be on anymore. So uh, you might just have to either... Well, I'm sure you can find it all on YouTube. I, I would guarantee you at some point, they'll just put all that on Netflix. Netflix will be everything. It'll be it'll be family-friendly. It'll be uh, rated R. It'll also have plenty of porn in the future. Netflix in the year 2038 will be a full-service site containing anything from kid movies 
uh, to stuff that you would never want to show your kids, ever. TV as we know it will eventually be gone. It'll all be on demand. It'll all be streaming. And that's that's what's going to go on. Oh, speaking of Netflix, I see that still there are 3 million people annually that get DVDs mailed to them from Netflix. They don't do the streaming online. They actually get the DVDs mailed to them. Now, I know there are there are some shows on Netflix that you cannot get with streaming. Uh, they only have uh, DVD copies that they will send to you. They don't have them up on the site. Whether they took it down uh, because of lower demand or whatever the case. but So I know that there is that portion, but I... Apparently, those people still managed to make Netflix a profit, enough so that they decide to keep that going. And keeping with that theme, we've got a whole block of these stories going. Netflix also says that they don't want you to use the term binge-watching anymore. Apparently, it has a negative connotation. The news arrives via Guy Pierce, star of the streaming service's new series, The Innocents. He stopped by the Empire Film Podcast to discuss the film. As the AV Club reports, he revealed that he was told by the company, by Netflix, to stop using the phrase binge-watching. I don't think uh, Netflix likes the term binge, he said, adding that the cast members on the show were strictly sort of instructed beforehand not to talk about binge-watching. I mean, I don't know what you want to call it. I mean, that's what it is, though. I mean, it is binge-watching. You're sitting down, you're watching a bunch of shows in a row, just like, you know, throwing down a bunch of Twinkies or, you know, gorging yourself. I realize why it has a, a negative connotation because it is kind of negative. It's kind of negative to sit in one place for 12 hours and watch a show. You know, maybe you ought to get up and exercise. Hey, I've done it too. Don't get me wrong. I have sat there and I have binge watched things as well. Plus, it's an ingrained part of the culture. Uh, unless you come up with a catchier way to say it, it's probably not going to change anytime soon. I mean, I guess what are you going to say? Uh... I streak watched. That doesn't sound very good. I I sat on my ass for 12 hours. I 12 hour watched. I I don't know. A binge watch. That's what it is. Forget it. And the critic aggregation site Rotten Tomatoes, they want to have a major overhaul of their website. And so what they plan to do is actually diversify their critic panel. As it is right now, they're planning on loosening up the constraints for becoming a critic on Rotten Tomatoes, so just about anybody can, maybe. Who knows? If you have a blog or a vlog or a podcast, they want to include you in there. Hey, we could get on there. We could be an official critic on Rotten Tomatoes. What with the two or three movies a year that I go and see? And then uh, every once in a while, I'll uh, I'll catch one on online or something. Besides, uh, I've already seen the worst movie ever made. And so I don't think there's ever going to be a movie that I could review that could be the low the low bar right now. If you're wondering, the worst movie ever is The Killing of a Sacred Deer. That is by far the worst movie I've ever seen, the biggest waste of 2 hours I have ever had in my life. I I almost would have to recommend that you go and watch that movie because it is so terrible. It is so poorly done. There are so many things wrong with that movie. It is such a gigantic turd of a film that I almost think you have to see it. It's almost like if you could go back in time and be on the Titanic and just see the colossal calamity that is 
the the number of errors, the number of of design flaws, and the and the coal fire, the bunker fire, and then the all the collision with the iceberg, and everything that led up to that, and all the decisions that were made. This movie makes the Titanic look like uh, like a successful voyage. Really, it is the worst movie I've ever seen. So there's no way that any movie could ever, even San Andreas, which was the previous low bar for the worst movie, and 2012 is not much above that. So those are my, if you're ever wondering, the three worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Number one, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Number two, San Andreas. Number three, 2012. The three worst movies ever. Uh, there's some honorable mentions in there, but there's no way any movies could ever get below those flaming pieces of cow shit. Uh, there's just no way. So that's just a little bit of a public service from me to you. I don't even know how we got off on that. But anyway, Rotten Tomatoes, yes, they're going to overhaul their website. Uh, they've come under way too much criticism over the last few years from the film industry because they don't have nearly enough diversity in their critic base. Um they're basically going to make it so you don't have to be a writer from a major publication, a newspaper, to review films anymore. Because, uh, well, obviously, because there's hardly any newspapers, and that means there's hardly any movie reviewers. And they're only paying movie reviewers uh, $25,000 a year at a newspaper anyway to go and review films. So how much stock can you really put into those reviews? Uh, just get real people to do them. People that actually write blogs or vlogs uh, or that do podcasts. Uh, get people involved in that because they probably have more passion about it anyway. So there you go. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, the, the show, The Big Bang Theory. This is the last season of the show. Aww. I know, it's so disappointing, isn't it? I've seen maybe two or three episodes and that was about all I could handle of it. Never really got into that show. I just couldn't. I don't know. I, the laughs just aren't there. I mean, it's got a it's got a nice laugh track. <laughs> yeah, so you know when to laugh. You know when the jokes are coming because they tell you. That's not really my problem with the show. It's just, I don't know. It's just not something I'm into. I'm just, I guess, I, I've tried to watch that and How I Met Your Mother and Everyone, Everybody Loves Raymond and all that. I, I just never got into any of those shows. I don't know why. It just, um... I used to love sitcoms when I was a kid. I watched all the 70s and 80s, even early 90s sitcoms. I think the last one that I watched was Seinfeld, all the way up to the late 90s. But, man, I used to watch everything from Sanford and Son, Welcome Back, Cotter, uh, All in the Family, Night Court, Cheers, Golden Girls. If it was a sitcom and it was on in the 70s, 80s, early 90s, I watched it. Uh, even the ones I didn't really like that much, I'd still watch them just because... It's just weird because now I think about all those and yeah, some of them were really stupid and, and actually terrible in hindsight, but you know what? I still, nostalgically, I'll still watch them if I see them on. Let's see what else is going on here. All right, Louis C.K., he is back. He made a surprise appearance at the Comedy Cellar in New York on Sunday night to test out some new material. It was much to the surprise of people in the audience. And there he was. He was telling jokes and he never referenced exactly why he's disappeared for the last nine or ten months or so. Obviously, he got caught up in the whole Me Too movement. Louis C.K. was uh, accused of and ultimately admitted to bringing girls back to his room. And then he would whip it out and masturbate in front of them. And I, I don't know. The Louis C.K. thing I don't think is as bad as some of the other stories that went on. I don't really think he did anything terrible. 
maybe I'm missing details of the story and somebody can enlighten me on this, but um, he was weird. It's creepy to just take chicks back to your room. I mean, it's a ballsy move to just whip it out and just start masturbating in front of them, but obviously it worked in front of some people until, of course, it didn't. And so he got kind of uh, nailed on all that. And um, look, he had a weird fetish, a weird kink, and that was what he liked to do. But I think if you're going back to Louis C.K.'s room, if you're going back to some stand-up comedian's room, you're not going back there for a conversation. You're not going back there to get your autograph signed, uh, unless that's a double entendre. Uh, You're going back there, obviously, to make out or hook up or something. I mean, it's not even making out. Obviously, if a stand-up comedian's bringing you back to the hotel room, they're going to get it on with you. You know it. They know it. Now, that doesn't mean you can't back out, and that doesn't mean that there isn't rape that can happen, and that doesn't mean that if you say no, that they get to just keep going. But that's not what he was accused of. He wasn't accused of rape. He was just accused of doing weird, weird stuff. Weird, wild stuff in front of these uh, women. And, And that's what he did. And so does that mean that he shouldn't have any career? I know there's people in the business that say he shouldn't. There are people, Christopher Titus is one of these dudes who's out there. He just, he thinks Louis C.K. should never have another opportunity. And he's like, what if it was your daughter? And uh, Well, if my daughter went back to Louis C.K.'s room, I would ask her, uh, well, how was he in bed? Because that is, that's what you're going back there for. No, we're going back there to talk. Well, I'm going back there to test out some of my stand-up material on him. I just want to see if he laughs. Yeah, right. Come on. And I'm not victim blaming. I'm not saying if if he sexually assaulted somebody, that'd be a different story. But that's not what he's accused of. That's not what he admitted to. So he's just a guy with a kink and a weird one. And uh, does that mean he shouldn't get another opportunity? And I know there's going to be some stand-up comedians that are going to say no. Now, the weird part about this was he did this whole set at the Comedy Cellar. And he never even referenced what happened. Never even made mention to. Well, as you may know, uh, I was uh, I was kind of uh, gone for the last ten months, huh? What about that? <laughs> and you know he's still going to be a major headliner. That's the thing. You know that he's still going to be drawing people in there because people are going to want to hear what his story is. They're going to want to hear him make fun of himself. They're going to want to hear what other comedians have to say about him on the road. So. I know that there are going to be some that will be drawn back into that, into the comedic circle. So, I don't know. I do think it will be weird if he never references it, though. If he never makes fun of himself for it. Because he should. Because he is weird. Just like every other stand-up comedian. He is a screwed-up dude. And it's official. DC Comics is out of ideas. We talked about DC Comics... uh, couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, because they have this alternate timeline of the Justice League universe where Superman is a bad guy and Batman's a good guy and all this other stuff. Well, that's one thing. Okay, alternate timelines are fine, but now they are incorporating Hanna-Barbera and Looney Tunes characters, Warner Brothers characters, into their comics. Titles like, and I'm not making this up, titles like Black Lightning Hong Kong Fooey. Batman Elmer Fudd, The Flash and Speed Buggy, Martian Manhunter and Marvin the Martian, Aquaman Jabberjaw, and... (laughs) I'm I'm serious. 
uh, Jonah Hex, Yosemite Sam. They've all featured the all-star roster of talent having a total blast with these unlikely pairings. The newest one now is, uh, that's coming out now, uh, features Catwoman, Sylvester, and Tweety, as well as Lex Luthor, Porky Pig, and, of course, the ultimate union of unhinged madness is the Joker and Daffy Duck. The stories are written by Scott Lobdell and art done by Brett Booth. So if you're a fan of DC, get out there and embrace that, I suppose, because your favorite DC characters, Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, they're all teaming up with various various Looney Tunes and Warner Brothers. Oh, and Hanna-Barbera characters. Uh, Who's Jinx the Cat going to team up with? Pixie and Dixie. Huckleberry Hound. Josie and the Pussycat. Space Ghost. Who are they going to be teaming up with? I'd love to see Space Ghost and Batman. There you go. That's a there's a great. <laughs> and you wonder why Marvel is kicking DC's ass. You talk about desperation. First, they tried to get He-Man. They brought over He-Man into the alternate timeline of the Justice League. And now they are uh, bringing in Looney Tunes and Hanna-Barbera into the DC Universe. Awesome. All right, well, that's just about going to wrap it up. Groffshow at gmail.com. That is the email address. It's groffshow at gmail.com. Michael Groff is the handle on Twitter. The Michael Groff Show on Facebook and for everything else Michael Groff related. The one, the only, michaelgroff.com. While you're there, you can listen to this and previous editions of the program. Plus, of course, you can donate to us. Let me just emphasize that. That really helps out a lot. I do appreciate it. Got some donations uh, last couple of weeks. I won't mention who's donated on the air. I don't know if they want that information out there, but I will say... A very heartfelt thank you to you for donating to this show and hope for continued donations by all of you. Groffshow at gmail.com is where you donate on PayPal. All right, that's it. We'll see you next time for another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Thanks so much for checking us out. Good night, everybody. So in the words of my late friend Aretha Franklin, show some R-E-S-P-I-C-T.